So I have a question. Uh, since much is made on this podcast of drinks that you like, mm. what is your worst drink? Ooh. Uh, but, but not like, you know, dog bile. Yeah, or... you can't make something up that you hate to drink. I mean, something that is commercially available. And C- no cider. Sorry? Cider. Makes me wretch even thinking really? about it. Yeah, awful. But it's just sort of luxury apple juice. No. Rot- rotten apple juice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> ruined apple juice. Basically, so um, my mum used to drink really garbage cider. Um, I had, had probably a bit too much of it, to be honest. And uh, on a caravan holiday once, I woke up in the middle of the night and grabbed uh, the bottle of water I kept by my... Because I was sleeping in like the living room. So I grabbed my bottle of water and took a big drink. And it was horrible cheap cider. And I, I vomited all night. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. What a Despise harrowing it. tale. Yeah, let's, you know, we're, we're going hot and heavy into this episode. <laughs> well, I was, I was expecting sort of a, a more off-the-wall choice. Are you in agreement, Matthew? Are you a cider uh, well, hater? No, I, I, uh, for me, I don't, I don't really drink hot drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember. We've been through this before, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. My body's so hot nothing... enough as it is. What about hot chocolate? Uh, I will have a hot chocolate, but I would never go for it as uh, above a cold drink. I'll accept it if offered. You had a white chocolate hot chocolate. I've had all kinds of hot chocolates. Oh, (laughs) no, I won't have a white chocolate hot chocolate. Because that's just... Any in for a sweet pound. But that's just just like sugary fat. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, those are the things the human brain enjoys. I'm not True. saying it's necessarily the best breakfast, but uh, it's pretty good. to this episode 167 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best children in games special. I'm feeling generous. So we're going to we're going to talk cuz I hate uh, most children in video games. Oh. So this time we're going to be uh festive and uh generous to the children of games. Um but I'm joined this week by uh Joan of Arc. Hello. Which of course. Is yeah. I'm technically <laughs> a manor, but I led an army to relieve the siege of Orleans. Yeah. So this <laughs> is an interesting one. Uh, and I'm also joined by me, but like in big in brackets. <laughs> it should say Matthew, but like in big, but there's a there's a character limit on our names. <laughs> Oh no! So you're like a twelve-year-old. Well, actually, no. I'm a reverse big. Uh, like a, I'm a, I'm twelve-year-old me again. That's the, that's the, the. Pitch. Oh, I see. Mm. So I was prepared to believe that twelve-year-old Matthew in Matthew's body would just be the same. <laughs> uh yeah, that's probably true. Um, but just with with more scars from being beaten with bamboo sticks on your legs. <laughs> Well, no, because I never took a hit because I was the Bamboo King. <laughs> the Bamboo King sounds like a cryptid. You can't land a strike on the Bamboo King. Oh, my goodness. Um, how are you both? Has there been any update on your feud, Matthew? Or is uh, the it's really, still there? Has it gone? It, this, this has ended in the worst possible way in that we woke up this morning and his car was just gone. Just gone. Didn't even Tom know Dean you were there. Tom Dean has driven off in the night. Never cared. 
Yeah, I guess because I think it's probably getting close to end term time here. So he's returned to the sea. <laughs> like a merman. <laughs> well, that's what he is, so yeah. Maybe he's just traded his car in for a submarine. But like the one in Subnautica where, you know, it's got like a moon pool and so he can just sort of chill in there and then swim out and beat up a big snake or whatever it is that swimmers do. There's something hugely um, indulgent about having a submarine which has a body of water within it and it's also under the sea. I mean, I would say that there's something hugely indulgent about having a submarine full stop. You know, a personal sub. You'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. It's very important to have a submarine if you can. They're very rarely luxury items. I, mean, I wonder they if are... there is a luxury submarine. <laughs> oh, do you remember that? Do you remember that nutcase who built that submarine and murdered that journalist? That was depressing. Do you know, I only found out about him the other week. I didn't know he existed, and I was like, "Oh, this is cool. This guy built a submarine." Oh, mm. <laughs> no. real bad real bad it's one of those ones where you feel really bad because the circumstances of that lady's death are terrible but his actions are farcical and ridiculous like he it's... started off and he was like oh she fell or something and then and then they were like but we found all body parts mate what's going on mm. it's like he hadn't planned it i really i get really astonished by people who like obsess over a like some particular deviant crime their whole lives. And then when they do it, they just absolutely blow it. Like no planning, <laughs> like completely botch hiding the evidence. Like you had one job. Well, the, so you know the term sweet Fanny Adams? Yeah. Um, so that comes from a murdered girl um, who, um, it's quite horrible how the slang came into uh, circulation, but, um, she was it was like many many years ago like uh, I can't remember the date exactly but she was a young girl uh, I think sort of like 10-ish maybe younger um, and she was just murdered and dismembered by a dude Um, and so uh, sailors started referring to their kind of uh, offerly meat rations as Fanny Adams um, and then it and then it be, oh, and then man. it was just became used to refer to something of poor quality in general and then just sort of you know but anyway the point is that the guy who killed her um t- did a similar like farcical thing where he wrote like he went home and wrote in his diary like uh killed a girl it was fine and hot referring to the weather and then the police turned up and like mate <laughs> You've written it in your diary. And he did like the Lionel Hutz defense and was like, no, I missed out a, cal- a-, a comma. I meant to write killed a girl. No. <laughs> I just heard that, she- that a girl had been killed. Oh. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> he didn't get away with it, obviously. <laughs> but just imagine the audacity. <laughs> Bad. Bad vibes. <laughs> but yeah, killing and dismembering children is bad vibes, Matthew. I agree. Mm. I think we c- can make that an official stance. Is that, I hope that's not an official segue. No. <laughs> oh God, no. Oh, I remembered the th- I remembered the thing I was I wanted to talk about last week. Oh, go on then. Um, Please change the subject. <laughs> uh, did you see that um, Mr. Beast did a Squid Game? I did, oh, no. Matthew, I did, and I knew you'd have thoughts on it. <laughs> I spent about five really harrowing minutes very early in the morning just looking at his face and trying to pass it as human. <laughs> <laughs> I have not watched Mr. Beast Squid Game. I kind of uh, refuse to, but I, well, I mean, because <laughs> the reason I sort of... Uh, was reminded it existed is because some lunk tweeted that like this is why the creator culture or like you know basically the YouTube economy is great because like it took 11 years and X amount of money for Squid Game to be made Uh, but Mr. Beast did his in like you know six weeks and for not as much money and everyone was like no incorrect it took mr beast 11 years and six weeks to make his because he just did a copy of you know yeah right just got dunked on this dude for 
like he was the main character of Twitter basically for a day for having the worst possible take for <laughs> the Beast of Squid Game. I I just feel like he was on a there was an almost a, a a moment of sort of self realization where he's like he watches Squid Game, which is about a load of maniacs forcing desperate people to compete in death games for money, and his channel is him basically just throwing money at poor people, and he watches Squid Game and goes, oh yeah. That's a good idea. I should host one of those. I should do that. You know, you're like, that is not the message of Squid Game. That is not the takeaway. It's like, <laughs> oh, that seems like a good. That seems like a good organization. Uh, oh god! It was more that I I I clicked on a couple of bits of it and decided, you know what, I I don't want to see this, and I don't want to kind of like, I want to drag down his uh, his uh, engagement numbers on that video by by clicking off it quickly. <laughs> um, but I just it just made me laugh that. That's that's that was his sort of i you know his idea, um you know Squid Game is fundamentally an evil thing you know. Well, what? maybe he's like not conscious in the sense that he's like a philosophical zombie. He is literally a Mr. Beast, just <laughs> acting on bestial instincts. Like he's incapable of thinking about anything he does. He just sees something and spends. I just <laughs> who was who was the the philosopher that lived in a barrel and went around sarcastically looking for an honest man? Oh, um, Diogenes. Yeah, Mr. Beast going up to Diogenes and being like, "I'm going to give this homeless man <laughs> three million dollars to buy a torch." Yeah, and Diogenes would just be freaking out because it'd be like, "Well, he is he's an honest man. He lives in complete good faith, but just <laughs> to an empty moral world." <laughs> What was the actual? Who was competing in Mr. Beast's Squid Game? Just, just like people who signed up, because that—that's the whole culture of it. Is there's there's all these like millionaire influencers, and they think they're being good people by saying like, "I'm going to give a random person X amount of money, and if you, you know, just retweet this, and I'll give you like ten grand or whatever." But it really is throwing money at. It always reminds me. Of, I hear like I remember hearing a nightmarish story at university about. I think it was a like a rugby club um would sort of at their christmas do would pay sort of homeless people to come in and dance for them and they just chuck money at them and you're like oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah you it's went got, to it's cambridge big... didn't you <laughs> oxford <laughs> it's and i wasn't part of the rugby club <laughs> it's got but it's got big it's got big that energy i think yeah and and like i it's it's like that scene in succession where uh one of the kids in it is like, I'll give you a million dollars to just some random child of, of like, of, you know, a normal family. He was like, I'll give you a million dollars if you can make a home run in our, in our game of um, softball. And then the kid doesn't do it and he tears up the check in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway. Uh, Let's talk about dismemberment again. It's less depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Would you do a squid game with your many clones, Matthew, to see like which uh, was the supreme Matthew? Yeah, though I would have thought they'd be quite evenly matched. I don't know if if it, surely they'd just all die in the first round, or they'd all win. But surely, ten they... me's in a tug of war with ten me's would just be a draw, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, that's so know. interesting. <laughs> that's we must but... clone Matthew. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out because I feel like there would, because once you make a clone, right, that clone starts accruing its own knowledge and well, that's the thing. Yeah, and, and if we keep them locked up, though, so the first thing they know is Squid Game. <laughs> <laughs> the first and only thing they know, they're born into it. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you've made the concept worse. <laughs> God, we really have just swept in on Wings of Darkness this week. <laughs> that would be a good ending, though, if like the, if if one Matthew did manage to triumph and he kind of staggers blood-stained, you know, to the, the office of the... The mm. you know orchestrator of it, and then the chair turns around, and it's just another Matthew. Mm. <laughs> well, it would be me; it'd be the original. Just you, yeah. 
<laughs> Hello. <Yeah. laughs> oh god, I don't have a segue for this. Uh, well, clones are children of a sort, aren't they? There you go. What is what is a child if not an attempt to produce a clone of yourself? It's a very inaccurate clone, but yes, I'll grant it. This week, uh, yeah, we're talking about the best children in games. I'm not sure if we've done it before. We might have, but this is because I, classically, uh, I just hate children in video games. I don't think there's any way that they are not annoying and kind of haunting, um, Mm. for the most part, anyway. Uh, And so because it's, you know, the most wonderful time of the year, uh, I thought it would be nice to be a bit more charitable about it. Uh, and also to get your takes on it, do you find children in games haunted and terrifying? You know? But, I mean, Nate, you're a father. <laughs> yes. How, how do you feel about children in video games? I, the child speaker, will weigh in on behalf of fatherdom. Um, I think it needs to be a pretty generally a very prestige game to have a hope of, of pulling it off or text only. Um, mm. It's just really easy to hit the uncanny valley with kids. I think a game that did it good was what was Sam Blumen rat world 8 million. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> you know the one I mean, where there's just yeah, loads of rats bursting out of horses and sacre bleu. <laughs> rat work, Kevin Spacey, uh, not Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey's Rat World 8 million. That's right. <laughs> cursed. cursed. Truly cursed. <laughs> but I was going to bring up uh, A Plague Tale Innocence because I really liked, I loved Hugo in that. I thought he was a really, really good sort of chubby little just about not a toddler kind of kid. Um, oh, it's a really likeable little fellow, wasn't he? Yeah. I just and sort of stomping it, about looking at ducks and being interested in stuff and yeah. I thought that and was also... the loveliest thing about that game because like I was so anxious about playing that because like I really hate you know I'm not so like I'm necessarily artistically opposed to it but I find it really difficult to watch children being imperiled in things mm. um to raise stakes and so I thought it was going to be very difficult and you know obviously there is quite a lot of that but there's also just quite a lot of uh I won't say levity, but it just reminds you that children will be children, even in like absurdly dark situations. And like you said, just like being delighted at farm animals and stuff. It's also cool because, you know, there's, you ever seen those um, weird little drawings done by a Russian schoolboy in the 13th century? No. Is that the one where he's drawing himself on a horse with an army and stuff? Yeah, and then he's just drawn this sort of rubbish line and written like a wild beastie. And (laughs) I love that because you forget that, you know, as stupid as it sounds, people in previous eras were just normal humans, identical mentally and physically to you. Um, And so, yeah, to have a kid acting like a kid in the midst of the Hundred Years' War, I don't know. I just thought Mm. it was a lovely bit of, um, I don't know what, well, it was a lovely bit of, but it was lovely. It was, yeah, he was really cute, and and also he can command armies of rats, so that's a a bonus, you know. Yeah, that helps. He um, that's... I think it get, I think it works well because the because the main character's also almost a kid. Um, yeah. like the brother sister relationship is a bit more uh. I don't know, less tricky than the than the, than the parent child relationship, or they're a bit closer in age. So you know, the 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 kind of the chat between them feels a bit more sort of natural, less on on the same sort of level. Um, I think that game would be weird if it was an adult and a kid running away from rats. <laughs> well, like you're you're because you're, or, or I don't know, maybe you'd be too. I think then it could feel like the kid is just like a crate that you're like picking up and protecting. Yeah. <laughs> Where the sister can't really do that. You know, they're, a, they're they're kind of like a joint unit together, which I don't think you'd necessarily have with 
an adult can't like pull a kid around by the hand because it just yank their arm to pieces. Um, so you just end up carrying them around. It'd just be like carrying a sack that occasionally, you know, says how much it loves <laughs> eating apples. <laughs> Which would be quite a weird game. <laughs> it's uh, not not a PC game, but I thought uh, Dad of War got around this quite well by mm. having your kid basically be a combat drone. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you could press a button and he would just like welly a rock at the troll trying to prise <laughs> your head off. And that would be quite helpful. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I liked him as well. It's good. Good twist in that game as well. That I didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, I... Uh, <laughs> was going to mention... Well, I was going to bring up for discussion The Walking Dead, because everyone goes on about Clementine in The Walking Dead. Clem. Oh, yeah. Is is that not an example of an adult pulling a child around by the arm? Fleeing... Yeah, but it's... Well, not rats, but, you know. That, but I think because it's not, a, like, a action game or a third-person action game, it's because it is mm. a bit more sort of sedate. You can sort of hang out and walk with her and sit with her and talk with her, and that makes sense. Um... I think they get away with it actually easily. Um, that's one of the better like adult child sort of relationships. I think the, the 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 problem I have with children in most games is that when a child turns up, and I think this is true in a lot of pop culture, like everyone's like the thing stops being an adult thing. Like everyone has to suddenly kind of tiptoe around the kind of child in the room. This happens in Yakuza. Mm. There's like a little girl. Um, your sort of adopted sort of daughter and you know you're thrashing people with traffic cones and doing like really horrible gangster stuff to people (laughs) and then when she comes into the room it's kind of like well let's go for a nice walk to the park and suddenly the game i i don't find it charming like i i I think it, it actually loses track of what it is like the reason i'm playing it isn't to like pretend i'm i'm not that horrible gangster i like being that cool gangster dude um, and The Walking Dead doesn't really do that. Like the characters are still, at, you know, adult and stressed out around the kids. It's quite a, quite a stressful situation they're in, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, but there's that horrible. Who's that old guy who gets his head like thunked with the ice block? <laughs> do you remember him? Oh, oh yeah, kind of. He's just like super aggro, in, even when there's kids around. Like that's what I mean, like. The, I don't know. It feels like it doesn't like pull any punches because there is a kid, which yeah. most games do do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. I, I get where you're coming from with that. I suppose, but is not is Yakuza not about fatherhood in the sense? Well, I don't think that's what's interesting about it. Like that bit of the story, I'm like, you know, when the kid crops up, you're like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a bit <laughs> I'm not going to enjoy. Because it's just going to be me walking this kid to school and pretending that I'm not a badass when I am. Um, maybe that's just me. I'll try. There are definitely other examples, but I've absolutely struggled to think of them. Um, are there uh, any children in games that you do definitely like, Matthew? Uh, I must admit, I struggled a little bit. I was going to suggest not not so much like... Uh, a young kid, but definitely a game which is kind of about children and your relationship with them. Um, Bioshock Two, ah. yeah, that's powerful. Um, which you know, s- slight spoiler alert, I guess the kind of the sort of twist in that game or the kind of the revelation is that it's you know you're trying to save this this younger woman in the city as a big daddy and it turns out that your actions have sort of shaped them so the kind of the idea of the game is is sort of not the consequences of your decisions on you but on another person which is kind of an interesting sort of way of tackling the i don't know nature nurture thing mm. yeah that's what yeah, I, I, I like the the <laughs> I liked the little children in Bioshock as well with their big. Uh, oh yeah, actually, yeah, that, that, yeah, I completely forgot that is also a series full of tiny children. <laughs> Had yeah. they gone mad like everyone else? What was the deal with the little sisters? It's been a long time. They got. They got. You can turn them back into normal children. So no. Yeah. That they're, they're they're like. 
I actually don't know what what it is in the law that means they're they're like gifted at finding the bodies that they sort of suck the juice from. <laughs> it's to do with like a a sea slug that produces the the magic, uh, you know, what's it called? It's Adam and Eve, isn't it? Um, uh, and I th- I think they have a sea slug implanted in them or something. I can't remember. But then they skip about and suck up the stuff from corpses uh, and then d- drink it from, because their big syringe gun has like a, a bottle, um, like a baby bottle. I'm not entirely sure, but I think they they drink it from the syringes and then they produce it somehow in their skin. I'm not sure. But you can turn them, you can either sort of consume them <laughs> for like leveling up and power purposes or you can turn them into uh, nice little, little children yeah. again. I can't remember if, are they something that has happened and come about after like the fall or were they always around because, you know, the whole idea you go to Bioshock and it's all messed up and everyone's gone mad and you're like, yeah. yikes, this is a mad place. And there are these little girls, you know, sticking syringes into corpses and you're like, yeah, that figures, this is a mad place. But is it suggested that they were doing that, you know, but pre the mad days? Like, was that just I... a part of like, oh, this is a really chill place. Oh, and by the way, there are these little girls who go around sticking syringes I... and stuff. I don't know what the timeline of the Little Sisters is. Yeah, I've got a horrible feeling that was a planned part of the economy, just right. like yeah. the hulking monsters in diving suits. Oh, that's mad. Yeah, yeah. Because there <laughs> you know was what? a... No, add it all up. I think it's. I think Bioshock is crazy. <laughs> Don't like it anymore. Yeah, because yeah, there was a whole bit. It sort of loops back round with Bioshock Infinite and the time travel thing. Uh, in, yeah. in that, I, so I just think if I was in Rapture pre the fall and. You know, I was eating in like one of its many opulent restaurants. I don't yeah. know if I would enjoy my meal if I looked out the window and saw a creepy kid with giant yellow eyes sucking some kind of goo out of a corpse. I might say, you know what? I think I need to get out of this rapture and head back Not to the mainland. Also, if wasn't weren't they basically planning on there just being dead bodies littering the streets? <laughs> Like, I, I mean, that's not there's... showing a huge amount of confidence in your utopia. <laughs> I'm not sure if there was like a another way of collecting it. I I wouldn't like to say, but yeah. <laughs> and there was that uh, like all the bosses you fight are people that should clearly not have had a high position in society, like the artist that kills people to make statues out of them and stuff. Mm. So you'd be like. Not sure I want to go to that exhibition. They're, they're all people who you would you would have called it from the very first meeting. Like, yeah, this person could one day be a boss in a video game. Like... Yeah, have you ever met anyone like that in real life where you've thought, oh, <laughs> this person could like, given the right power or superpowers, this person could be trouble. Actually, Absolutely. can I tell you about? The most video game boss line I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, it's a re- reported anecdote. My dad always used to say when on his first day in secondary school, which would have been like mid-1950s, um, all the, this class of terrified youngsters and the headmaster, wearing a cape, bursts into the classroom, interrupting the teacher mid- mid-flow and just glares around the room for like a full minute silently and then raises a finger and says some people are clever and some people are strong i'm both and then leaves oh my god that is definitely a guy somewhere down the line you are hitting his chalk projectiles back at him yeah i'm yeah pretty sure Dad had to uh, reflect three grenades into his open chest uh, to graduate from school. <laughs> God, imagine being that guy. That I like to imagine, like the moments before he did that. Was he like psyching himself up? Was it, or did he have like in his calendar? Was he like you know? Well, apparently 12, he was twenty-eight, <laughs> doing a round of all the classrooms. <laughs> Just, you know, like it was just a routine thing that he would give the very brief, 
I am both speech to every <laughs> every class of new kids. Oh God! <laughs> what a monster! Ladies and gentlemen, the fifties. Oh my God! Um, back to the topic at hand. Um, I in a similar vein to kind of the creepy children in um the deliberately creepy children in, in Bioshock. I was uh, going to mention Evelyn in Resident Evil 7, Biohazard. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a twist, but she's she's a, a little girl who is also a bioweapon uh, and can mind control people and turn them into mold. So that's, you know... Yeah, that's, that's bad news. That's that's not you know your average kid doesn't have to deal with that kind of stuff you know. Oh, is this the one you have to find like it's really grim? You have to find all the bits of them and then like put them together. No, so Resident Evil Seven is the one where you end it, it, you're in like a family's home and the family has all gone uh, crazy because they've been mind controlled by this child. Oh, um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking a village, aren't I? Re- Resident yeah. Evil Village has a plot point where your child has. Been, has gone missing and yeah. has been you're collecting pots of your child village is the f- the direct follow-up to um it's like it's the same central character ethan who keeps getting his hands chopped off um <laughs> and then reattached but in in resi 7 um you're just creeping about this house and you eventually discover that it's because of this little girl who also looks like an old lady. But um, it, I just always was like, why would you make a bioweapon? If you could do that, why would you make it a child? <laughs> you know? It's, it's, I th- I, it's not a child that like, gets infected with something. Yeah, she, she was deliberately engineered to, to have these powers. But if it's a person, like a lab. Isn't, it, isn't normally the idea that, like, you know, f- like the army, they want like an adult with mad superpowers. So they're like, well, we have to grow an adult with mad superpowers. And it's just that they're so powerful as a child that that's when they tend to escape. So it's it's not that you're making them a child. It's just that you encounter them as a child because that's when they tend to bust out of the facilities. Well, well I guess. But like, why would you, well, why make it a person that can mind? Like, why make a person be able to mind control everyone around them? That just well, seems if, like if you, a if recipe for trouble. You can use that trouble. against your enemies. That's great, right? That's the gamble. Yeah. That's the gamble with the demonic child made in a lab. I mean, everyone knows <laughs> that. I mean, it <laughs> has been one of the most uh, tried military strategies throughout time, and that's always what goes wrong with it. And someone, you know that someone always brings it up in the meeting beforehand. They're like, you know that this always goes wrong and they kill all of us, right? And they're like, well, maybe this time we'll get it right by, you know, she won't even know she's in a lab. We'll design the lab to look like a children's playhouse. And you're like, oh, no way. Like, this is such a bad idea. It's so much worse. It's like, like that is going to be so scary when she's hunting us. <laughs> don't, don't you realize this? <laughs> Matthew was like the intern at Umbrella Corp. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I should get out of here. I should go and work for a different non-Umbrella company. There must be nice companies in the universe of Resident Evil. Yeah, everything ends up as a subsidiary of Umbrella, doesn't it? Mm. I I watched the um, Resident Evil uh, like TV series that's on Netflix, and it is incredible. Like, oh, I remember abs- your article like, about that. Oh, it was so funny. I, you should definitely watch it because it's like, in some ways, it's actually like um, uh, very sort of sound in how it's made, like very competent in how, because it has a very, very needlessly complex kind of plot. And it and a lot of it revolves around like things happening in the past. And it does very well at um, explaining all that that's happening. Um, but like, the re- it's just the rest of it is so funny at times. Like the denouement, the final battle happens in a massive cavern underneath Washington DC that's full of like clone bodies 
um, of like super soldiers. And then the fail safe is to just to fill that with acid. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's a big pit of acid. And then... Uh, uh, that's, what I, that's how I'd manage my Squid Game clones as well. Just throw them in a big thing of acid, yeah. And then and the final bit, the big monster guy has a special relationship with a, a, a thin, you know, winsome lady as well. And she goes up to him and, like, you know, puts a hand on his massive 12-foot-tall chest and is like, no, don't do it. Uh, and there's a moment where he looks at her tenderly and then he, like, grabs her arm and, like, snaps it in half and then immediately breaks her neck. <laughs> like, twists her whole head round. But the way it's done is so funny. It's just the funniest couple of shots. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I I really enjoyed it. I didn't know. I don't know if I enjoyed it how I was meant to, but I really did. It was so good. Uh, well, sweet. Any other kids? Any other kids? Any more for yeah. you? Yeah. Um, all the children in Crusader Kings three are hilarious. Um, they are like obviously it weirdly it is kind of a game that where, where children are huge a huge part of it because like heritability and dynasty is so big in it um mm. and so you know i mean yeah basically a lot of games do admittedly devolve into chilling eugenics projects um but you know just the just trying to get inside the heads of these monstrous children, um, you know, that are whelped in an attempt to secure an immortal leader um, when the 12th century rolls around. Uh, and, yeah, just, just literally trying to imagine the personality of a child um, who has all of these sort of horrific tyrannic traits usually reserved for gurning 50 year old barons <laughs> good fun yeah you've done a load of terrible experiments <laughs> many many terrible experiments are you still uh, are you still conducting those experiments or have you sort of I, are you are you leaving it for a bit well I had originally, so a lot of people have asked me if I'm going to carry on with the, the Giga Night series I was doing, and I was waiting for them to come out with the um, the expansion, which was going to add loads of stuff that would be absolutely priceless for it. And I thought it was going to be a couple of months, so I just sort of put it down, and it's still not come out. So maybe one day when it comes out but at this point i've i've still got the saves but i think i might have forgotten a lot of what happened so um yeah it's certainly it w would be nice to get back to trying to create europe's largest child <laughs> that's my favorite tv show <laughs> <laughs> on itv on saturday night europe's largest child mum why am i so large <laughs> It's a Simon Cow gawping <laughs> at a giant toddler. Um, I'd I'd written down Siri from The Witcher, but she's oh, not yeah. really a kid, you know. She's a kid right at the start where you meet her in that little tutorial in The Witcher Three, but then she's quite a competent adult warrior in her own right. So, um. And to tell you the truth, I can't remember some of the specifics of the the father daughter relationship in that game because you spend so there's so much other stuff competing with it. The main storyline always gets a little lost for me. But he, he she's a, a child in the um, the Witcher series, though, isn't she? That's coming. Back yeah. Soon. Did you see by the way Henry Cavill was? on TV being a nerd again recently. The poor man clearly wants to just sit and paint miniatures, uh, but Listen, he keeps being forced into being in films. His, uh, I don't know why he's mentioning Warhammer in every single interview he does at the moment, but long may it continue, because speaking with the reptilian mercenary heart of a commercial IP writer, that is gold dust. <laughs> Cavill can say all he likes about Warhammer. He's uh, he's my hero right now. D has he mentioned what faction 
he plays? No, or is he it a mystery? Although well, I think Aaron Norton went that deep into it. <laughs> yeah, Norton was repulsive about it. Actually, I thought I didn't uh, think he was repulsive. It was fine. It was like it's it's it, it's you know mainstream TV pants. I, I you know who cares? But, but uh, the thing that worried me in that interview is he sort of goes, "Oh, you like playing with these toys?" And he's like, "Well, it's called Warhammer. I really like it." And then Tom Holland was speaking to him as if he'd never heard of it. He was like, <laughs> "Wow, actually, that sounds quite good." It's like, "Come on, man! Like, you must have heard of Warhammer. How can you not have heard of it?" I bet a lot of people have not heard of Warhammer. A, br- a British a teenager that hasn't heard of Warhammer. I'm not saying you have to like it, but at least to know what it is, so you can rib the people who do like it. <laughs> you know? Oh God! You, you, you basically are Graham Norton. <laughs> no, well, that's that was like when I was a teenager. Everyone knew what it was. To either, you know, I, I had some Warhammer. I'm not saying I think it's lame, but the people who didn't didn't like it, they still knew what it was because it was like, you know, good bullying nah, currency. I don't. Know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, my question was going to be: What faction do you think Henry Cavill plays then, Nate? Custodes. Why? Which are ridiculous because they're like, you know, Space Marines are like, man, but manlier. Yeah. Like they they just did it again with Custodes, who are these massive golden blokes who are like, I guess, like the equivalent of the Varangian Guard, those Viking nutters who like were loyal to the Byzantine Emperor, but not to the Empire. So yeah, they're just like these massive golden gods. Who will like do anything for Emps, even if it means killing all his mates? Um, they're, they're, they're stupidly invincible, and also they they are just described as looking a bit like Henry Cavill. I mean, I can't say the miniatures do because even with the decent quality of modern molds, kind of any miniature soldier's face looks like a screaming, melting Elrond. Um, <laughs> Is that- but, like, <laughs> <laughs> is that a is that a forty k thing? Yeah, yeah. I I think he plays forty k. Um, I believe that's that's what he usually chats about, isn't it? I think he likes normal Warhammer because he likes the game, doesn't he? He likes Total War, War Warhammer, Total Ham Warmer, yeah, <laughs> whatever, um, whatever the hell it's called. I swear I've heard him somewhere say that he has some kind of elf thing going on. Oh, that would be disappointing, but acceptable. We'll we'll find out. We'll look into it. I had, yeah. I had a few dark elves when I was fourteen. Dark elves, very edgy choice for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. You know, what? they were terribly painted. I was very. I I didn't really know how to paint them, and they all had like because I thought they had to have whites on their eyes and pupils. Um, so they all had these giant like comedy boggly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming, melting Elrond. Yeah, it's not great. What fraction would you have picked for Matthew then, Nate? Oh, what a, what a question, the rat, I know. The Rat Boys. <laughs> yeah, probably the Rat Boys are Skaven, actually. <laughs> they've, got, they've got, you know, pragmatic fellows. Like what's swarming the, out the, of tunnels. What's the prissiest Warhammer faction? Uh, at the moment... In terms of just like models looking really good. Oh no, but it's prissy, as in fussy. Oh, um, probably, uh, yeah, probably high elves. Let's face it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, I would have had you down as a as an elfman, but not not the dark elves because they're like, you know, they're like new metal elves. I'd say <laughs> my my like just on a diet level, I couldn't be a skaven like they probably any old garbage and you know yeah that is true actually (laughs) just gnashing down mounds of glistening oh yeah they're they're glisten or bust (laughs) Uh, if it doesn't glisten i won't listen that's what skaven say while perusing the menu (laughs) if uh, it's about time to go into the cabin of lies. Before we do, is there anything else, either of you want to mention, viz, uh, children in games? Just shout out to the urchins in Frostpunk. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just give it the big ones all day long. <laughs> Keep 
the coal coming in. Yeah. Sure, that was the and Frostbuck. <laughs> uh, but now it's time for the Cavern of Lies. The Cavern of Lies. All right, Nate, would you like to show us around your cavern this week? Hello, it's me. One of the many voice actors that Blizzard have hired to play dwarves uh, who can't do a Scottish accent. Oh, very uh, good. But, you know, just game like carries on anyway. I'm going to drop it now. Um, yeah, dwarves. I'm a dwarf. Um, this is my fortress, actually. Uh-oh. Welcome to it. Uh, it was the Cavern of Lies, but uh, me and six of my friends uh, got in here over the last week. Um, I've been stuffing a hole uh, full of diseased chickens and and making weird statues. I hope you like the place. Oh, lovely. Um, only we've got a bit of a problem. Uh, we've uh, We've been doing quite well down here. We've started having babies, uh, but we don't know how they work. We we don't know how <laughs> children function, um, and so we've been looking on various wikis for how uh, babies work in the game Dwarf Fortress, which of course we live in. Mm. Uh, and well, we've we've gotten rather boggled, to tell you the truth. Oh, no. uh, there's some very weird bugs uh, attached to the behaviour of of infant dwarves. Um, but we know that our enemies, the goblins, have been putting fake bug reports up um, so that oh. we'll make terrible parenting decisions to try and mitigate them. So, yeah, what, what I want to do is tell you uh, the parenting, or the, you know, the, the things we've been told to watch out for as dwarven parents. And mm-hmm. Can you please work out the misinformation inserted by goblins? Do you know how much misinformation has been inserted? Yes, exactly one third of the six tips okay. uh, have been, so two, yeah. have been provided by goblins. All right. Let's do it. So one thing that worries me quite a lot is you'll know Dwarf Fortress um, like keeps track of like the temperature and density and mass of everything in the game, mm. which is um, why it runs so beautifully on PCs. Um, and uh, there's a problem because a dwarf and baby is just a dwarf, but with the volume parameter scaled right down. But the problem is the mass is the same. Uh, so dwarf and babies are extremely dense. Uh, and due to a weird quirk of the way the game models physics slightly warmer uh, than everything else around that well than other dwarf dwarves uh, because all of this mass is crammed into a tiny amount of space so they're like uh small dense warm rocks mm. this troubles me um <clears throat> another thing apparently uh they make really good combat armor uh, okay. So, uh, apparently it's totally normal dwarven parenting uh, to give birth during battle and immediately use your baby as either a bludgeon or a shield, um, oh, which they're very on. effective at. Um, but it can that can be upsetting for a parent, obviously, and I'm, I'm a bit worried I'll do it. Surely why? not. That surely isn't something that happens. Why? Why is it that that would happen? What part of the code has... Because... Uh, Dictated them uh, being good as shields or bludgeons. Well, because again, the physical modelling because they're they're quite dense. Okay. Um, they stop crossbow bolts and things very well. And the reason we use them, it's not like we're thinking these awful infanticidal thoughts. It's just when when we have babies, they drop on the floor, and we go and to it... pick them up, but then we're armed with them in a fight. Okay. Right, I see. Troubling stuff, eh? Yeah. So here's another thing. <laughs> uh, dwarves are born with like saturated alcohol tolerance. Like they're born addicted to alcohol. Okay. Uh, 
but they don't acquire any through their mother's milk. So by the time a dwarven baby is nearly a year old, it has severe alcohol withdrawal syndromes. (laughs) And only when it's one uh, can it crawl and and get ale for itself. (laughs) So there's this dicey period. (laughs) What are the symptoms of withdrawal as modelled by the game? Uh, Weakness, vomiting, uh, occasionally crawling around. Okay. But surely, uh, surely you lose that that dependence after a year. Well, no, that's that's the thing that dwarves don't. Okay. Um, yeah, a dwarf will eventually lose lose its mind if you don't give it wine. You'd think the mothers would know this and would just feed their babies extra wine. Yeah, well, but I, I mean, this is. This is the issue, isn't it? If it's tr- if it's true, then they will do that. But if it's a lie made up by goblins, then then they'll. <laughs> this is, this is be, a ludicrous cavern, even by our be, standards. They'll be, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be tricked into feeding their children wine as babies. Have, go- have goblins tricked us into thinking dwarves have alcoholic babies? Well, you ready for uh, another, another little tip? Yeah. <laughs> So, interestingly, when a baby shares uh, a bed with its parent, the baby will lie down, whereas the parent will stand upright on the bed all night. Um, But there is, interestingly, in a reversal of the situation, if a paralysed dwarf uh, gives birth while paralysed in a bed, they'll hold on to the baby, but they will never let go, even when it's like 60 how is any of this represented in a game which is just a load of top-down symbols? Well, there is the magic of our world, Matthew. Uh, pressing the K key to uh, to read a description of what's on the tile, usually. And it says the dwarf is standing up on the bed. Uh, well, actually, in the case of a bed, you'd have like the sprite for a baby and the sprite for the parent... And they would be fl- flashing, alternating between the two of them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how you would see they're both on the bed. But then, yeah, it's the baby that would be lying down, whereas the parent just stands. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. What's number five? The problem with these is that they're all so absurd, and yet we we know that, like the reputation that Dwarf Fortress has for absurdity twinned with Nate's own reputation for absurdity. And, is making of us... course, the, the distrustworthiness of, of goblins. Yeah, indeed. Um, is, is, I think it's making me and Matthew sort of play this quite straight. Like, we're just accepting everything as it comes. Yeah. You know? Well, the weirdest is yet to come. Uh, so... Dwarves don't have an upper age limit they can live to, uh, but if a dwarf lives past 300 years old, but it has to be not a historical figure with a simulated lifespan, if you play for 300 years, your dwarves technically, after 300, roll around and are categorised as babies again. They carry on acting exactly as they are, but the game logs them as a baby uh, because of a bug where the it's a binary variable that switches again. Um, and it doesn't have many effects other than if they have a strange mood and try to make an artifact, uh, they will just go insane because it thinks they're a baby and cannot hold a hammer. Hmm. Right. But okay. that doesn't usually happen in 99% of games. So wouldn't, you wouldn't run them for 300 years. And finally, uh, in the current iteration of the game, this is the one that really freaks me out, guys. Uh, when a a dwarf gives birth to a baby, the baby immediately like rides on its mother's back, which turns the mother, according to the game, into a mount. So it, the mother literally becomes a horse in the code, and the dwarven mother eventually dies of thirst, mind controlled by a baby, and una- unable to escape the condition of being a horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Some of these bugs 
by your description appear to conflict with one another. Hmm. Interesting. Well, because you've said... I should, should have said that these are for multiple iterations of the game. Mm. Okay. Because most of these bugs don't last long, in fairness. Mm. But if, you know, if a baby is... immediately mounts its mother, then the baby cannot also be on the floor to be picked up as, as a weapon in, in a battle, you know? So, but if they're from... Mm, it's all we've got. This is difficult. It's... It's tricky. Um, Can I tell I, you the one that, that's yeah, standing go, out for me? Mm. Uh, is the no upper age limit one, where if a dwarf becomes 300 plus, it becomes a baby again, because that sounds like a version of the, um, uh, like, a, what's the word, apocryphal uh, reason for Gandhi being super violent in. Uh, right. Oh, yeah, that was my Civ- real cavern of lie, wasn't it? Just spread a mistruth. Because <laughs> uh, apparently that's not actually why, but it's quite a well-known kind of thing. Yeah. And it sounds like a Nate version of that. Because also, like, why would they freak out if they're a baby and they shouldn't be able to hold a hammer? Sure, they shouldn't be able to hold anything. So why would it just be in that specific circumstance, you know? Don't forget rollover errors are pretty common in games. Mm. Uh, it's... Uh, yeah. So I, for I, me, I'm... for me, it's it's the weapons one. I believe the the thing about they're very small and dense because they've got the same weight but different volume. Um, but I think yeah. the, the the next level on from that 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 means they can be wielded as this sort of arrow blocking thing. I don't know. That seems bogus to me. <laughs> I, that one seems. Seems sus, and I'm also suspicious of the born addicted to alcohol one. <laughs> uh, that one, I don't know about that one. That one could be true, but the bed, the bed one know. is almost like too, like almost too mundane to be made up. Like they don't know how to stand or sit around a bed. Like, oh yeah, yeah I can get, that. I can buy that. I'm, I'm going to stick with weapons. I think. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the upper age limit one then. And I'll support you on the weapons. Thank you. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to hand you each a dwarf and baby, uh, and I guess it will become a goblin and eat your face if you're wrong. Sure, okay. (laughs) Because that, yeah, that's a logical conclusion to this endeavour. Right. uh, Alice, what was your choice? The, uh, when they get 300 plus, they become technically classed as babies again. Okay, would you just hold this baby? Yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> it suddenly gains a long green nose. Oh, no. But you've already yeeted it into a well uh, because you know you, you, you're not going to fall for this goblin bullshit. Uh, you, you correctly identified one of the lies. Hooray! Um, dwarves never become babies again. And uh, can die of old age. Hooray! <laughs> right, Matthew, what was what was yours again? A, a baby as weapon. Okay. Um, here's your baby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow! Ten goblins with pole arms creep up behind you in the dark. You turn, swing the baby as a mace. Um, and it is actually quite effective. But there are too many goblins. They swarm you and eat your face. Oh. You survive disfigured. Oh, well, that's okay. So I can that live with it. That was true. The, so other, what was... the other lie in there was the thing about babies being warm and dense. Oh. Oh. I, yeah, just uh, laid, laid that little egg right at the top of the breakfast. No one spotted it. But, well, thanks. I think we'll be better parents now, I guess. But I'm still really worried about being convinced I'm a horse, to be honest. Still, oh that's life. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with your face. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you very much for that cavern, Nate. It was very... 
informative. I'm sure you could spend many a cavern out of a, a dwarf fortress. Oh, it's a deep barrel. Yeah. Blimey. The ho- I can't believe the horse thing is real. It's pretty mega, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. Imagine if that happened in real life. That would be horrible. Just loads of women with tiny newborns. Just thinking they're horses, but not wanting to be. God. Chilling. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's about it for this show, but we do have time for our recommendations because every week we recommend something that is not a video game. Uh, Matthew, what have you got to recommend this week? I am, uh, I've just started to read a book called, uh, it's a, I believe it's a fantasy book. Yeah, I think it's classified as fantasy, uh, called Jade City. Have you heard of this series? Oh, yeah. Oh, are you enjoying it? Yeah, by Fonda nice. Lee. Um, it's like slightly kind of gangstery. I don't know what like time period it, it would probably be close to. In my head, it's like sort of nineteen sort of thirties gangsters, I guess. But it's sort of set in on this island where people uh, use jade, the, the stone jade um, to, to sort of imbue them with superpowers, and it's about the kind of the rival gangs kind of fighting for turf and control of of all this this jade stuff um yeah i've only read i've only made a very very small dent on it but um yeah i'm enjoying it actually it's good good characters uh like the jade sort of superpower thing it's fun um yeah it's good a lot of names to remember that's the only downside but so it goes (laughs) i imagine uh lovely i'm going to recommend a book as well uh i'm going to recommend eight detectives by Alex uh, Pervisi. Pervisi. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's sort of a, a kind of a love letter to detective fiction whilst also being detective fiction itself. So um, the frame is that a uh, years ago, a mathematics professor kind of um, solved all the elements you need for a murder mystery. And he published a book where each chapter was sort of demonstrating these um, elements and how you can sort of deviate from them or have or have weird ones, you know. So each each uh, alternating chapter in Eight Detectives is a a little kind of capsule murder mystery that's maybe like um, an homage to like an Agatha Christie, you know, a famous Christie book or something. Um, and then the uh, other chapters are this uh writer talking to uh a woman who's come to help him like edit this book for republishing basically decades later uh, and at, at the same time there is also some sort of murder mystery going on with him that happened you know years before and stuff and there are clues in all of the the stories that he wrote and stuff mm. it's very it's very good i really really enjoyed it um it's it's sort of of a piece with that uh, Anthony Horowitz one I suggested last week, where there's like interplay between a fake yeah. book and a story around it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like that, you should also try. Um, I think it was called Rules for Perfect Murders, Ooh. which came out in the last couple of years, which is about like a guy who puts together a list of his of like perfect crime novels, and then someone starts bumping people off using his list as like their guidance and it's again about like that kind of interplay between famous detective stories and the world around them i love that stuff uh nate what have you got content warning meat Um, (laughs) (laughs) so i've uh been getting in my christmas meat um and i've used uh a site called deerbox.co.uk, as in deer, a doe, a female doe deer. Doe, deer, a female deer, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's very good. They do venison and wild boar. That's it. Um, it's run by a very nice guy called Ben, who hunts the animals himself. Oh, um, wow. So there's no agriculture involved. I mean, I'm not going to try and strong arm anyone into thinking meat can be ethical but uh you know if you're swayable this is this is more ethical than most um it's yeah it's really really good stuff it's quite expensive but then 
you know, as per previous point, meat probably should be. Um, you can get all different kinds of deer. I've got myself a muntjac carcass, um, which is about 10 kilograms. They're quite small deer, but I'm going to enjoy a Saturday afternoon butchering that and preparing a series of lovely cuts to enjoy over the Christmas week. I've also got some hilarious Flintstones looking wild boar ribs coming. (laughs) Yeah, so I shall be doing some Obelix cosplay (laughs) with those. Lovely. Uh, Well, thank you very much for those recommendations. Uh, And thank you, listener, for listening to this episode 167 of the Electronic Wireless Show podcast, Rock Paper Shotgun's PC Gaming podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. This was the best children in games special. Um, And if you enjoyed that, uh, tell your friends, join our Discord, uh, check out Rock Paper Shotgun on your social medias, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. uh, and for your piece of gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. But for now, it's goodbye from me, Alice, Go- Alice Bell. It's goodbye from Joan of Arc. Au revoir. <laughs> and it's goodbye from Matthew, but like him big. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. See ya.